Hey everyone, I'm Jamie. And I'm Andrea, or as most people call me, Anj. And this is Trendish. We'll be covering relationships, faith, leadership, health, and everything in between. I'll definitely troll. And I'll probably cry. And we're so glad you're here to witness the whole thing. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. All right. Here we are again. Welcome back. Anj, who do we have with us today? I'm pumped about who we've got with us um, this afternoon in our time. Um, We have the one and only famous, not infamous because it's negative. Correct. But famous um, Amber Day. If you don't know Amber, she, well, she's my boss, actually, if you don't know her. So that's a start. (laughs) One of two. (laughs) One of two. (laughs) Depending on the day and which one it is, but she's she's my, my boss by the paperwork. And she is an Enneagram 7. She works with, like I just said, at a place with me called Paradigm Shift, which does leadership and professional development. And I'd love to hear how you wrap that up in a sentence, but that's how I wrap mm. it up in a I'd sentence. I'd love to hear how Amber wraps up Paradigm Shift. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've heard some. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back to my notes, actually, she, and re-prepare. <laughs> she hears a different version of mm-hmm. how I introduce Paradigm Shift every time yeah. she's with me. So. so we love her. She has a lot of experience under her belt right now. She is a CFO, COOC... E-O-C yep. something, C-suite. Lots of C's. Lots of C's in Paradigm Shift, but she's also um, worked at a local church here in town, done accounting, gotten into law school, and had a lot of other experience that I can't wait for her to share with us <laughs> today. <laughs> so we're excited to hear from her. Amber, um, anything you would add that on trust? <laughs> Yeah, I've been fired from quite a few jobs. I'm currently a donut shop. I failed Pilates in college. I feel like it makes me sound very impressive. I feel like I've accidentally happened into um, all my multitude of titles are not because I'm so talented. It's because we can't really narrow down what I should be doing. So I feel like that's wow. a better yeah introduction there. I feel that on a deep level. <laughs> I really do. Well, we wanted to talk to you about just being a woman in leadership and kind of your trajectory. But I think before we get to that specifically, can you share just a little bit of like a, a brief overview of your career journey? Obviously, Donut Shop it is in there as well. start with a donut yeah, shop. Yeah, but, <laughs> but where has life taken you? Yeah, so um, I did actually start my first job at 13 at a donut shop, so it was an illegal job. It was okay. very wow. industrious, apparently. <laughs> um, right. So I worked there, um, and then yeah, I went to uh, college. I had planned my whole life to be a lawyer. I did. We did like a mock Salem witch mm-hmm. trials in eighth grade, and I was assigned the job of lawyer and loved it and cool. let that small one-hour experience <laughs> mm-hmm. define my career path wow. until about 24. <laughs> so it was a really expensive eighth grade English uh-huh. class for me after my, you know, paying for my first year of law school. But I, I mean, I worked in the communications department in the Oklahoma Senate. I um, then, yeah, I was a waitress by, honestly, if I were independently wealthy, I would probably waitress. I just, mm-hmm. I love the fast pace. I love yes. meeting people. I love to make connections with resources and needs. And so I feel like you get to cool. interface with a lot of people and I just love eating. So like giving other yeah. people food yeah. that I didn't have to cook is really great. So I'm like, <laughs> don't you love it? I knew you would love it. So yeah. And then I went, uh, I was a city, city groups director at city church and then uh, chief of staff is kind of the roundest title at Paradigm Shift that probably sums it all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Started with a C. Yeah. I knew that much. <laughs> Started with a C, ends with a C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How would you say being a seven on the Enneagram has played into your career journey? Yeah, it has been really neat. So I, I struggled a lot with, so I got into law school and in all seriousness, I was very good at it. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was not yet a Christian, which is a big part of my story, um, but I felt myself really being pulled towards uh, a dark side of myself. Um, and my professors were like, man, you'd be really good at this. Have you looked at this type of law? Um, and so I stepped out, and that was really kind of crushing to me. I was like, mm-hmm. this was my career path. This is the one thing I've told everybody for the past seven, eight years. This is what I'm going to be doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having to step away from that and then look into what I actually wanted to be doing. And so I went back to waitressing, kind of what I knew in the meantime, until I could find another career, in mm-hmm. quotes. You can't see, but I'm doing air quotes, you know, okay. another career. Um, and then I read an article uh, by a girl named Emily Wampanick. I'm probably saying her last name wrong. But she talks about uh, people who are specialists or you are a multipotentialite, is what she coined the term as. Okay. And it is not finding one specific career path as much as finding bits and pieces of things that you love and building custom careers onto that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, So not, I want to be a lawyer, but why do you want to be a lawyer? I want to help people who don't have enough resources. So how can I take that and apply that to an accounting job or Mm -hmm. to a waitressing job or however you apply it? Mm -hmm. So um, it has, being an Enneagram 7 was very, very stressful. I didn't know that term in college. Mm -hmm. Um, but I could feel that difference in me. I was always picking up, oh, I'm going to play guitar. Oh, I'm really excited about yeah. calligraphy now. And, yeah. you know, I own a guitar and a calligraphy set and have no idea how to use either <laughs> one of them. Um, you know, maybe maybe someday I'll circle back around. But um, I honestly, running into that specific article freed myself from that guilt of what is my career? How do I advance mm-hmm. in the ladder? I've got to be at one place for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if I answered that question. Yeah, no. Okay, great. You'll, great. you'll answer them. You're actually, okay. You answered it even more than we would have thought. That's why we're like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. What direction do we take uh-huh. this? Mm-hmm. One of our best friends is also an Enneagram 7, and mm. we keep looking at each other because mm. she does the same. Yeah. She bought a bike because she used She's it. She's used it twice. Like Peloton, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. I just, all, all the time. That's when I'm like, oh, this new venture and this new thing I'm doing. And I spend, mm-hmm. I love to spend money on a new thing I'm about to do mm-hmm. and then not do it. So I, I buy the new shoes or a really expensive gym membership. Mm-hmm. I bought a year worth of a, like, it's called Simply Piano. It's an app that teaches you how to play piano. Like, Amazing. it listens back. Amazing. A year of it. And I and, and bought the piano, by the way. And I think I played, like, three times. I've got a bunch of books on how to play piano. So you want to be musical is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I want to be musical really bad. And my dead plants are sitting on top of it because I want to be really good at gardening yeah. as well. And so I've spent a lot of money... <laughs> potting succulents and now they sit on my piano dead amazing like, you can't kill these things like i cert- i certainly can't yeah. yes i can <laughs> so something you're good at then is leadership from what i've heard mm-hmm. yes yeah. uh, don't downplay yourself <laughs> yes yes she's gonna what has leadership looked like for you in the different roles you've had yeah i think um and truly not being humble. I really think I got into leadership because I was loud at first. And Mm -hmm. so I was continually put into leadership positions. And especially at a time, I'm 36. So really women in leadership became a very popular topic. You know, you wanted a woman on your team. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've got a woman leading this. Look, you know, it was very like, Mm -hmm. and so I was the loudest one in the room. Often it's like, here, Amber, organize this. Mm -hmm. Highly unorganized. I mean, being a seven, organization is not my skill set or was not my skill set. It's funny because under my boss now, Jared, (laughs) he is this massive visionary achiever. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be like the organized, structured one, which is just hilarious to everybody else in my life. Like She's the most organized of all of us. Oh my, it is comical because... 
the rest of my life was never organized. It was not, you know. So yeah, so I was always thrown into kind of, hey, will you do this? Uh, You seem like you could get it done and honestly learned as I went. And so for me, leadership in the beginning, you know, everybody tells you fake it till you make it. And I feel like I took a turn when I started to really embrace, okay, I I am going to actively lead as opposed to like passively freak Mm -hmm. out behind the scenes and get pushed into leadership, Mm -hmm. really kind of flipping that on its head and just leading with, I mean, radical honesty. So walking into a room and disarming any fear that I have or any posturing that might, like, especially as a woman in leadership, walking into a room, having to be like, okay, I'm confident, but I'm not bossy. Mm -hmm. And I'm loud, but I'm not annoying. And I'm, you know, I'm smart, but not smarter than all of you. So, you know, like just that, always (laughs) thinking about that dynamic. And so just walking in, and saying, just a heads up, I mean, on, is on the Love Tulsa leadership team, yeah. and it's she, whenever we were doing, like, onboarding, it's like, I truly don't know where we are going in this ministry right now. I feel like I'm kind of open-handedly just following step by step. So, sorry, I don't have a compelling vision, but mm-hmm. I promise to be open. And so just trying to have that type of honesty in any area that I'm leading, I feel like that has been kind of the main thread of leadership in my life since I've decided to actively own it. Have you noticed different responses since you started doing that? Yes. I mean, very quick, very quick, um, honestly, promotion. And I don't mean monetarily or I think a lot of people are scared to be honest and thinking that, oh, if people know that I messed up on something last night or if I failed to hit this goal or deadline that I was supposed to as a leader, if I kind of cover it and try and really do it last minute instead of walking in and saying, I totally forgot about that. I'm going to get that done tonight. Uh, it's kind of counterintuitive, but coming and telling on yourself builds trust um, a lot more than pretending to be perfect. And the more honest I got, I feel like the more people were putting me in places I didn't feel like I deserved. And it, I think it was because it's like, well, we trust you to lead because we know if you are doing it wrong or something messes up, you'll own up to it. So even if the capabilities aren't there, mm-hmm. that that trustworthiness, I think, is is what I've noticed most. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really surprising turn for me because I actually kind of in the beginning think, you know, you walk into a room and say, well, I don't really know what to do with this. So I probably shouldn't leave. And like, no, great. Go to, I'm like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of my most favorite quotes is, um, one that says leaders aren't the most, aren't the smartest people in the room. And I think it does disarm exactly what you're saying. The Mm -hmm. people who are like, well, I didn't go to school for leadership, which a lot of people are literally going to school for now. And Mm -hmm. I didn't like, get all these credits or letters behind my name, but you can lead people and you Mm -hmm. can build trust in a team. That is like one of the biggest parts of leadership. So I feel like it's cool that you've just experienced and learned how to do that. That's nice. And it's honestly, it was, it was really, even as a leader really uh, instills a lot of confidence to know you don't have to be the smartest. Yeah. I think it was Andy Stanley was the first time I heard that quote. He's like, you know, you don't have to be the smartest one in the room, but you do have to be the one responsible for gathering the smartest people in the room Mm -hmm. on this subject. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I I can make connections. I don't know. I know a little about a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about one thing. That's just the nature of, you know, starting something new all the time. So, but I I can get people in a room. And so looking at leadership in Mm -hmm. that way, not being the smartest, but the most communicative, you know, or able to gather, I think was really transformative. Yeah. So I think coming at it from a, I don't know, uh, if we're looking at like stereotypical roles, how have you seen yourself kind of lead as a woman, but also break out of the, the stereotypes that exist around leadership? Yeah. Um, so I first started in oil and gas. I was a receptionist. 
um, and was really, I did not want to take that job. And it was during 2008 when there was a huge downturn mm -hmm. in the economy and I put 20 resumes out and it was the only call I got back. Well, a few other people called, well, you're overqualified. You wouldn't be mm -hmm. happy. I'm like, I would literally be happy anywhere that pays me. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb reason to not yeah. hire somebody. Please hire me, you know. Yep. Um, so it was an oil and gas company and my mom was an oil and gas. And so I was in, you know, right out of law school, like, oh, well, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not going to do what my mom did. And mm -hmm. I mean, just every reason to not take the job and then being a receptionist at the time. And so... Uh, but I actually really loved it. And then we had an accountant who got pregnant um, and then actually had her baby at only four months along. Oh, gosh. Then the wow. baby lived. So wow. she had to be in the NICU for the five months for the rest of term. Mm -hmm. And so they said, Amber, if you'll just fill in with this accounting, like we'll teach you how to do it. If you'll just fill in whenever she comes back, you know, she'll she'll take the spot. And she never came back. So I like happened mm -hmm. into accounting. Um, and that was in oil and gas. And there was a very, the company I worked for, a very strict men were in leadership. Women were kind mm -hmm. of clerks. or Admin, I mean, it yeah, was, yeah. I mean, and so I don't even know that I realized how ingrained that was um, in me whenever I then, I left there and then started working at City Church. And it was very opposite in that I was immediately seen as a leader, asked to lead. And then I was really coming up against like, oh man, what do I, how do I, how do I step into this? I'm not qualified and really learning those boundaries, trying not to put myself back in a box whenever mm -hmm. I didn't have an organization putting me in a box anymore. And then me kind of like wanting to retreat back into yeah. it. Um, so I think for me, figuring that out now, it is getting over the resentment of whatever room I go into. If it's mostly mm -hmm. men, I'm going to be the note taker. Mm -hmm. They are going to expect Gosh. me to get a notebook out. Yeah. And I have true. tried to hold out for a while. And I'm like, I can't, will not let my pride let this meeting tank. Yes. You know, so after 30 <laughs> minutes, I'm like, okay, uh, get my notebook out. <laughs> like I'm like, some, we need the notes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, nobody's going to, fine, I'll do it. You know, so, um, but honestly, learning that that is a leadership quality, documenting mm -hmm. and communicating is a leadership quality. And so That's trying true. not to be so anti-female, typical female role that I don't, that I, I let an organization suffer for it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been really neat to see. So at City Church under Pastor Matt, he is a very slow, intentional leader. Jared, it, when we are not a nonprofit, we are a for-profit <laughs> company, but he has always been a ministry, our CEO. He is every single day a brand new big idea like go, go, go. So it was two completely different Gosh, skills. Yeah. I mean, completely different yeah. where... At the church, I was allowed to sit kind of inactive in my in my leadership. It was very important for Pastor Matt like to to allow leaders to feel the weight of what am I doing with my area? We're not going to come in and do something behind you. Mm -hmm. Truly, what do you want to do with it? Where Jared, the opposite, I was, I, I'm like, well, we've got to do something with this area. What are you, you're moving on, you know? So it has, it has so made true. me really round in yeah. ways that I think that, um, I've been really blessed to have to develop skills. It, I there was not an option for it not to happen, and so I think it's given me. Um, I have seen the value in in the typical female qualities that maybe I would um, have resented or pushed away before mm -hmm. of communication and empathy and intentionality and a lot of this um, honestly just administration that comes mm -hmm. with it. So uh, it's been great to be. Uh, I mean, even so with Paradigm Shift, this is my first kind of C-level job and we're figuring out as we go so I don't have to fit a pre-existing mold. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Jared is very, oftentimes he'll say, yeah, you know, 
it's telling a story on stage and if a doctor says so and so she might come back and and I'm like she mm-hmm. as a doctor like I noticed how often he was using female pronouns yes enough where I was like okay wait a minute you're really saying that a lot I'm like well why not why would he not say that a lot yeah. like so I, I've been really <laughs> really blessed to not I mean I'm in an organization now that is I mean Jared's just excellent at at building up women leaders and so yes. yeah. yeah it's been I've been very lucky in that sense mm. again not sure if I answered that at all yeah. and I yeah. can't even fully remember the question so <laughs> again oh. you just you hit that and more okay so. like did I okay <laughs> my questions are never really just no. yes or no yeah it's gonna be like a long mm-hmm. um how for practice because we have uh, I would say like a pretty young like audience mm-hmm. How long did it, I mean, this doesn't have to be exact, but really how long did it take you to get to the revelation of what you just said? That is that is huge. Like, mm-hmm. I wish more women would walk in that at age 13 of, like, you don't need to be a man. Mm-hmm. You also don't need to only fit in these boxes as a woman, but who you are as a woman is a leader. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to go from the box you felt like people put you in all the way to where the healthy, it sounds like, spot you're in mm-hmm. now? Like, all of these qualities are good and all of them require me to lead. Yeah, I think I think a choice I made was not really to embrace that mindset, but more to intentionally try and put myself around healthy male leaders. Mm. So at the oil and gas company, I was around a, a very, I mean, many of them were very unhealthy. Um, and so I was not looking to change my view on women or on leadership, but mm-hmm. I was, I knew like as a, a person who wants to grow, I cannot. I need to be in a in a healthier organization, and so I intentionally sought out healthier male leadership. That is where I found the space to to work that out myself. I don't think I could have been told that, and I don't think I could have actively. I don't want to say I couldn't have actively chosen it in an unhealthy organization, but I think putting yourself in the spaces to be able to grow and and feel that allowed to be uncomfortable for a while yeah. and be in transition because I I just don't I don't know if I believe in the fake it till you make it mantra. Mm-hmm. It gets you. I hate that mantra. Yeah, I do too, honestly. And I, I yeah. think you know, instead of me having to fake it, why doesn't everybody else admit they also don't know? You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why do we all yeah. have to pretend we do know? Yeah. If you just walk in and say we don't know, you know, it's like that. It would be so much more healthy. Yeah. So, um, getting to a place where you don't have to fake it and are allowed to grow, I think, yeah. is is even because the more you try and not be a man and succeed in an organization that needs you to be male to succeed mm-hmm. it feels like what you are doing as a female is ineffective or invaluable right. and that's mm-hmm. untrue um, and so I think choosing those healthy environments allow people to grow as healthy leaders very very hard to change an organization from the inside out if you don't already have mm-hmm. that level of power or if you're not willing to stay for 20 years and serve faithfully and see if it if it works that way you know yeah. I want to make you say that again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Should I just loop it? <laughs> yeah. Can you loop it like maybe two times so they don't miss it? Three times uh, even? <laughs> so something you said, you you don't want to hold the resentments of not doing something. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do it because you can. Where's the line of like, okay, I want them to grow in this. Like as a leader, I want you to grow in this. I don't want to just do it because I know how or because it's something I naturally do better than you. Mm-hmm. Is that worth the fight or do you just do you just do it because you, you know, you do it? And Yeah, I think it matters who you're serving under. And so um, I have taken different approaches at, uh, with, at different times depending on the severity of the... Um, the uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> the severity of, I think a lot of people don't realize. I know they don't. Uh, there was a, a, a ministry leadership team I was on this summer, um, unrelated to what I'm doing now. And I, it was, it was the most female I have felt in a room in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like I've been around a, a lot of health lately. And so walking it and just how often it was like, well, we need somebody, Hey, can you bring the coffee and donuts tomorrow? Every day to me. I'm like, sure. I can't, but like, can yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I, you know, and I was noticing over and over again, it was like, Hey Amber, will you take notes? Hey, will you send that text message out? Hey, will you, you know, it was all the, and, and I, you know, and I was like, okay, <laughs> do I say, Hey guys, are you just doing this because I'm a female or is it, is it polite to serve? Polite is not the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't care about politeness actually. <laughs> is it, is it more effective to serve um, and allow them to see as my leadership qualities come out? I think the more women lead effectively, the more people in an organization will notice the menial tasks they're being asked to do. Uh, I, yeah. wish, I wish I could use more specific examples because I, I just, I, there are people I've, sat, I've called out. I have sat with a leader before and I have said, hey, I really feel like I'm getting past these tasks. Mm-hmm. Because Is it because I'm the newest or is it because I'm the youngest or is it because I am female? Because there's often mm-hmm. you are the youngest in the room mm-hmm. or the newest at something and it, it's easy to say, oh, is this just because I'm a woman? And it might not be. It mm-hmm. might be because you are the newest or, you know, so I don't ever want to use it as a crutch. But there are a lot of, like, even right now in some of the areas I'm in, I will say, hey, like, um, when I walked away from this meeting, this, this, and this were unresolved. Um, who is going to follow up on that? Mm-hmm. Other than I would usually write it down and think, mm-hmm. okay, since I'm the one that wrote it down, I need to follow up on mm-hmm. it. So it's not, um, are the guys ever going to think of this? Mm-hmm. It is trying to, to give almost a 360 feedback in a way yeah. where it's like, oh, I'm noticing Amber's the only one ever noticing this stuff. Why is that? And, mm-hmm. and kind of allowing the organization to see itself of like, oh, okay, that is maybe a process we're missing that then's falling more towards gender roles and yeah. all of that. So I think sometimes it takes confrontation and sometimes it does take faithful servanthood um, before you earn that authority and that voice to confront something that might be a really long-standing, you know, organizational norm. Mm-hmm. I think it's also too just like knowing your strengths outside of gender. Mm-hmm. Like I am a terrible note taker. If you want to peg me to do it, mm-hmm. I'll do it. I'm, I, but I'm telling you someone could do it better than me. So I think like something that I've also found and going off of what Amber's saying too is like is voicing the need that I'm seeing. So I was in a meeting the other day with all ma- all males and no one was taking notes and I, I did not volunteer myself. <laughs> but I said, I feel like someone should take notes. Would someone want to do that? And one of them, to my kind of shock, was like, yeah, well, I'd love to. And they're actually good. And I was like, well, awesome. Great. And then we moved on with our lives. So... I also feel like there's a level of knowing yourself because Amber is really good with the details. And, but I think there are some females that are like, I, it would just, mm-hmm. I would get a word down because I'm always thinking so much. That's my problem is I'm too much of a brainstorming person to like actually take notes. Mm. And so um, I think even having like, you've, you said this earlier, the confidence to be able to voice those things mm-hmm. instead of always do them, but also the confidence to do them because you're good at them mm-hmm. are like two really prominent things in terms of like leadership in that regard. So yeah, that's really good. Cause I am terrible at hospitality, cooking, 
you oh, know, same. like kids, oh, yeah. like typical stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah. There, oh, I was with a friend. Oh, I was actually, we were at work and uh, uh, one of our friends was buying a stroller. And a guy came to deliver it. I mean, just randomly. Well, I think it was like off Craigslist or something. He came to deliver it. And he was handing it to, and it was a male friend of mine that was buying this stroller. And so go, going to hand it to him. And the guy who was selling it looks at me and is like, will you show me how to open this? And I was like, I don't have kids. I have I have no clue how to open this stroller. Uh-huh. I, you know. Yeah. And it was like, it was so funny. Three or four different times, the two guys were talking. And he'd be like, do you know where the, and I'm like, I don't know how to use this stroller. You know, like. So I'm an ex- I truly an excellent note taker. Details like really good at where are we gonna where's this gonna fall through. But if it's like oh Amber, could you bring the snacks for tomorrow? Oh yes, but it's going to be store bought chips. Like oh yeah. for the potluck, do you want to? Or I don't want to do that. I certainly do not. You know, or oh like maybe you want to volunteer in the kids ministry. No, I, I don't, don't. I don't. And no, I, I don't. honestly don't think you want me to volunteer yeah. in the kids yeah. ministry. You know. <laughs> Amber and I are fighting with who gets to take the ice to the staff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'll exactly. take the buns. Yeah. I'm like, yes, plates. All the plates. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I think that's prominent. I, I love what Le- I think it's Lisa Turker says. Uh, I just listened to a podcast with her and Craig Rochelle. I asked her something along those lines, like what, what kind of what you're saying, like what would you give it to advice like for women who are leading? And she said, I love that she said this because this is not what you're told your whole life as a woman, but she was like, don't don't willingly go into leadership positions where just a woman is needed. Mm. So like if it is all men and you don't always have the option. So I'm not saying you do always, but she was just kind of saying a general rule of thumb, like don't look for spots that only need, you know, a person of color or a person of, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was saying it across the board. They just have to be talking about women in that sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I love, she said right after that, try and lead in places where only your skills can get the job done Mm. so like lead according to your skills in such a way that they need you at the table Mm. not because you're a woman but they they need the skill set so like they need you to be a note taker or they need you to tell them about your 18,000 different connections you have in the state of Tulsa like Amber Mm. has like things Mm. like that and so um I just think that we're not always told that we have permission you said this to me once we have permission to say no to things even though we're a woman mm-hmm. like other chances will come up i can say no to something this is not my only chance to lead as a woman and it, it's not my only my job to either mm-hmm. and i think something about that is really freeing as well yeah so. that's that's a really good point because i did i found myself in a real honestly right before the pandemic and i didn't realize it until i was forced to slow down i know this is so many people's story of like okay what do i actively choose to pick back up because yeah. i had almost saw it as this as my duty in Christian circles, if I am asked to serve on something, mm-hmm. yes, I will represent mm-hmm. women on this. And it, it is yeah. a heavy burden to bear if you're saying yes to everything that comes along because you feel like you have to be the woman at the table. Or if you're not, they're going to fill it with a, a guy and mm-hmm. women might not be heard. You know, um, yeah. That is a lot of weight and pressure to put on. And so, yeah, it was really, that's something I definitely learned during the pandemic of like, okay, I don't have to pick this back up because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like a really great cause and it really honestly is rooted a lot in in pridefulness sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. or you know the need to stay busy or so anyway yeah i think that's really that's a really important aspect yeah I'm glad you brought that up because i actually like was thinking about it earlier today and wanted to ask you like as you've progressed in your career and said yes to things and even had you know things happen to you mm-hmm. has that caused you to have to say no to things in your personal life like, as you've continued to get promoted, mm-hmm. what does that look like for your personal life? Yeah. 
uh, it's hilarious. So I went when I went to law school, um, I was really going back and forth about, okay, if I'm going to be good at this and make money, I'm going to have to put all of this into it. And I'm like, okay, part of the reason why I quit. So I was like, well, I want to have like a family by the time I'm 30. And mm-hmm. so that uh, was like a lifestyle choice also, and which is hilarious because I am still single. I have no kids. I'm 36 now. Mm-hmm. I have not sacrificed those things on like the altar of career by any means. But I do think being female, our time seems more available, specifically as a single female. Mm -hmm. And so I think you do get more weekend requests and nighttime requests where I don't see guys getting the same thing. And I don't know if it's because maybe women are more willing or more helpful, you know, traditionally or what that is. But I'm um, afraid to say no. Yeah, afraid to say no, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Or, I mean, I guess we could look at the flip side and say, oh, maybe women are more capable or more, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, so I have, I have noticed that um, I do find myself um, staying busy. How do I say that? Because it's not, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like m- more intentional than it is. But I feel like as a, as a female, you are either married with kids mm-hmm. or you are busy in your career. Yes. And not that I find identity in my career, but a lot of people, you know, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to, you know, and it's so easy to say, well, I'm just so busy. <laughs> it's not, I'm so busy that I'm not dating or it's not, I'm not dating. So I'll say busy, but they seem to societally be, yeah. these are one of your two options. Um, and so I have, I have really intentionally tried to slow down. And again, instead of choosing what I will say no to, start choosing what I will say yes to. That's a big switch I made mm-hmm. um, during the pandemic when we had to fully shut down and then start to pick stuff back up. And I said no to three huge commitments I had previously as they were about to start back up mm-hmm. um, with the intention of just wanting to rest and relax and not earn and not prove and not, um, yeah, not just not find validation in the busyness or the productivity because uh, I've noticed as I move up farther in leadership, I, I want to model what I feel like other people should be doing. And I noticed as I was working more overtime, the employees were starting to stay later. And I'm like, yeah. I do not, I, my intent is not for other people to, I am trying to work overtime so everybody else uh-huh. has more space. And it was, you notice like people really model yeah. or, or you speak your actions speak so much louder for what the organization values. And so I I have to be very cognizant of if I start talking about how busy I am, mm-hmm. will that mean everybody else feels like they have to be really busy or they're not being Carrying an effective employee? Exactly, yeah. So um, even that kind of mirror has been really important for me, I think, to slow down and to not uh, yeah, find that validation in the productivity and in the business. Real. <laughs> it is real. So real. And what I think the people don't know is you you are over 20 people at least, like mm-hmm. of our full-time people. Yeah. And she offices in a room with all of us. I so like, I don't think people understand the setup. But it's like, <laughs> it matters. Think about, and it matters, especially what you're saying. Think about an open room, 20, I don't know how many people, pretty mm-hmm. much all there. And Amber's just in like, as if she just started here yesterday. She's like right in the middle of all of it. <laughs> Like, how do you do that day-to-day? Mm-hmm. Like, identity-wise, sure, that's the thing you have to continue to do. But, like, how do you day-to-day think of what you need as a leader, but then also think, or what you feel as a leader, but then also think, like, well, I want to protect them in that, too. Like, how do mm-hmm. you balance that? It, it's been a really interesting conversation that Jared, our CEO, and I have been having lately is, do I move into, because he used to be out with everybody, 
And then in our last building, he had an office. And then this building, he has an office and is talking about getting me an office and really talking about, okay, what processes do we put in place? Because a lot of my effectiveness right now is being in that room and overhearing or brainstorming with people mm -hmm. or keeping stuff off of Jared's plate because I'm so easily accessible. What does the organizational structure look like if my presence is removed and those systems, communication systems are put in place? And then honestly, what, what do I then do? Because so much of my job right now is reactive, not mm -hmm. proactive. Um, Literally. Very, like, oh my gosh, she's asked a very question every other minute. Like, yeah. I can't even, I'm not making that up. Yeah, and I truly enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But as as we're looking at growing and what does it look like to truly lead proactively, mm -hmm. um, it is a lot of, okay, I have to, I start maybe my mornings in the coffee shop and then come in in the afternoon so that people can see me prioritize, not having my space work against me as uh, an excuse mm -hmm. or, you know, but it's like, okay, I am, I'm owning the limitations of what we have now as an organization how can I then work within my hours productively, set aside time, you know, or um, over-communicate? Yeah, so that, that has been something we're really yeah. working through. Um, yeah, very. it's very interesting. And also, honestly, we went from a time of kind of crisis as an, as an organization in 2018. And I think moving out of crisis mode and into healthy systems and processes, we've got a lot of long-term employees now, that is also just honestly a letting go. It, yeah. it truly feels like my baby turning into a teenager, you know, <laughs> that it's like, <laughs> um, so I think a lot of that is on me as well of just what, what is that next, what does that next iteration look like as I step back from being so reactive and allow, you know, the organization to run as it's designed. So this is my last question on this one. Do you feel like you could have helped to get the organization out of crisis and into health if you hadn't first done it? It sounds like you're, the pattern was like you almost acknowledged that in yourself during the pandemic, but then it seems like that's almost where the organization started, started shifting. Do you mm -hmm. feel like it would have happened if you didn't find that within yourself? I think I think it is so important to have... It's, it's a real back and forth give and take, I think, between leadership and personal health. Either you learn from the organization and you grow as a leader in that way, or you grow first as a leader and the organization grows in that way. Mm -hmm. I think it's nearly impossible to have specifically... The, the places I've led have been very small leadership teams. So you're not talking about a team of 20. So if you've got two people and one is unhealthy, mm -hmm. you really start to notice it. Um, and so using that as a mirror, not a cover-up, is really mm -hmm. nice, I think. Not trying to over-control the organization if my personal life feels chaotic or vice versa, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the two are definitely related. But I just, again, it speaks so... I, I have been under such healthy leaders the past two organizations that... It is hard for me to to take any, I just, I think I could have fallen over dead and the organizations would have continued on because the ownership is so high and, and the the top leadership is so healthy as well, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, it's just, a, it's hard to see a direct impact or to feel a direct impact when the team feels so cohesive. Oh yeah. You know? Absolutely. Going to your personal life a little bit, mm -hmm. um, it sounds like you've had a lot of revelation in the pandemic. Are there other times that you can point to throughout your journey where you could really tell you were unhealthy? Oh, yeah. Very yeah, a lot. So I, um, oh, a lot. Are we talking specifically in work or? I think. Like, uh, like <laughs> I, I've got nine ways this can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think 
<laughs> maybe where your personal life was unhealthy and it bled into your work? Mm-hmm. I think, um, so I, I had sexual abuse in my childhood. And so I have always had a, uh, a growing relationship with men starting unhealthy and then being under the authority, whether it was direct or indirect, and then learning to not use like in the oil and gas company, a super unhealthy organization, Mm -hmm. learning to not lean into femininity and, um, sexuality and flirtatiousness. And and that Mm -hmm. is a, a defense mechanism I learned almost as a child because of stuff in my childhood. So honestly, it's always been this, this, um, yeah, just this mirror of, okay, I can feel myself kind of leaning in here. Um, let me take a step back and whether it's removing myself from the job or finding new friend groups, I feel like I often go through a couple months of just, it just feels like personal insanity where I can tell something does not fit anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, you know, Oh, God's speaking to me about this thing and a, a shift happens. So yeah, I mean, I would say so many times I will, if something is unhealthy in my personal life, I will try and find more validation in work mm-hmm. or step in and over control or, you know, work way too much and realize that I'm keeping other people. Now, my lack of personal health is keeping other people in the organization from growing because I'm not releasing responsibility or I'm not allowing somebody else. To, I'm not asking for help because you know, I've really got to prove it in my work life if I'm, you know, kind of chaotic in my personal life. Mm So I've noticed a lot more, the older I get, the quicker I am to correct those things. And again, the more radically honest I am, the quicker I am to, to let people in on helping me correct that. So you get better at correcting it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What are there people or things in place that help you see that? Yeah. So I, I get better, not just at correcting it, but at asking for help. And so I, I do a lot of, I find that a lot of my friend groups overlap with my place of employment. Um, and that's not on accident. I think if you are kind of this enigma without personal connection in office or at your job, um, you are much less effective. And so it just turns out that a lot of my close friends are people that I work with at any given time. And so they know me on a personal level as well as at, in the office. And so to be able to come in and say, well, you know, we've talked about, you know, I would, I had this crazy party lifestyle in college and Mm -hmm. it'll be like, man, I'm noticing the past three weeks, I've gone out like four times a week. I'm like having a perpetual hangover. So I need your help. You know, Yeah. if I start to, you know, show up late to work or whatever, call me out. Like, and just asking people into that accountability so quickly. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that honestly is learning. Again, it's willing to be honest in your place of employment, leading with that vulnerability. um, And then, be willing to learn and grow and accept that correction, especially as a leader. I think it's very easy to kind of silo off and pretend like you don't have issues so that you look strong and you look Mm -hmm. authoritative and, you know, like you can follow me. And I think consistently resisting that urge and letting people into, into the struggle uh, is, is just so important. It's so important. So yeah, but I do, I've got, Friend groups outside of work, my family, my mom and my sister and I are really, really close and they know me well enough where it's, hey, you seem really like short tempered this week. Mm -hmm. Have you gotten enough alone time? Because I am, although I'm a seven, I am an introvert by definition. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I love to be alone. And if I'm out doing so much, you know, so having people who know you better than you know yourself is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
really helpful. Can I just say too, I feel like this can get us off track. So if it does, tell me. And we can <laughs> I'm done with this it. track. So okay, <laughs> great. Veer. Um, you seem to be somebody who, and I'm loving it, hearing it, but you're you're kind of like going against the norms of what people say in leadership where I want to say it like everything fits in a box and don't go outside of the boundaries of the box. Mm-hmm. So like it sounds like your whole world's intertwined. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot with leadership, especially in the corporate world, like, well, I'm not going to be friends. Like what you just said, I'm not yeah. going to be friends with the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one that I'm about to dive into, I'm trying not to dive too far, is like, oh, I'm not going to have male mentors because I'm a female. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that is one thing I've even seen this. Last, we just talked about this mm-hmm. in this last season that I'm like, why can't I like Mm -hmm. why can't someone like my boss be somebody that I learn from that is like willing to share what he's like why Mm -hmm. just because he's a male and I'm a male I'm a female I don't even know what I want to ask it's just blowing my mind that Mm -hmm. in all levels it's Mm -hmm. not just male female relationships it's not just work friend relationships you Mm -hmm. seem to have like you're almost allowing a gray area in all those different places do you feel like you've always been like that or Mm -hmm. that's something that's developed over time yeah I feel like I've had to be like that um because if if I don't adapt the fake it till you make it mindset, then there is not a, honestly, I have not done a lot of modeling myself after somebody else. I find myself thrown into a situation where I have to learn and adapt really quickly. Um, And if I get too much into the, what, what have, what has everybody done before me? I start to really get into a performance mindset mindset. Mm -hmm. And do I measure up? So it's almost like not reading the comments of famous people not reading the comments of what's going on, you know, it's like, if I just don't know how, you know, everybody else says to do it, maybe I won't walk into this situation with a, a lack of self-confidence or, so a, a lot of that has been trial and error, a lot of error, you know, um, a lot of learning. I've said for a long time, so much of my trajectory has been learning who I don't want to be. And I think we glamorize who we do want to be and finding the successes, but truly looking at the failures or the neutral experiences and growing from those, I think is so important um, and valuing that. I left in 2017 and I traveled for a year and I spent a lot of money and I made so many mistakes and I came back and everybody's like, oh, what'd you learn? This is so great. And it was truly, I learned 90 different versions of me that I didn't want to be, <laughs> you know, but that is yeah. so, that is so worth it. Yeah. That is yeah. so worth it. You know, in a world where there are 1000 possibilities, 90 have been eliminated, you know, and that, that learning from that and not burying it and not giving it any authority over who you are as a person. So speaking to like male and female mentors and friends at work, mm-hmm. it, it makes corrective conversations a lot harder, but mm-hmm. it makes the day to day a lot easier. And I have way more way less corrective conversations than day-to-day interactions. So I would rather lean into the health Mm -hmm. of 98% of my job than to steer away from that relationship because it makes the 2% easier. Yeah, right. And I know that I'm in a smaller organization. It's relational. And so it's probably different at Google than it is at Paradigm Shift, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I I understand that. But, yeah, I mean, to me, I I mean, male and female mentors, I don't, you know, I don't not in cars alone with guys or, you know, meet at their house at 8 p.m. with a married, you know, right. like there's wisdom and boundaries. But if we only learn from other women. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. We've got a lid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we just as if they only learn from other men. Like we can't say, oh, let us at the table. We have a valuable perspective without knowing that perspective and what, you know, and, and, yeah. and there is such a fluidity now. It is no longer, as we know, even societally, male and female. But learning, there are 
mm-hmm. you know, strong women, quote unquote, and, you know, sensitive men, like, and yeah. that's no longer, that's so much more the norm now than yeah. the exception. And so there's just, it's just so hard to say. Like yeah. I said, if somebody came to me and wanted to learn about, you know, child rearing, <laughs> uh, my grandma put bourbon in my bottle and, you know, so if your kids aren't sleeping, you know, like if you're coming to me for women's stuff, it might be, you know, a typical women's stuff. It might not be as successful as you think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, yeah. So That's anyway. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I love the fluidity and all that. I think that's awesome. I don't think we're told that enough. I also, do you think, are you somebody who fears failure? Uh, yeah, drastically. Uh, so really? much so. Yeah, terribly. Are you sure? Yeah, I really do. Terribly. I mean, you've said but, a couple times, like, about performance and... But it, then everything you just said requires failure. Like, yeah. you just said, oh, I'd rather not learn from the experts. I'd rather do it myself. Oh, I don't enjoy it. But I know <laughs> if I'm going to be doing it, I might as well learn from it. And so it truly is what keeps me stepping into things as no matter how this turns out, I'm going to learn from it and it's going to be useful. I I still definitely, yeah, am very into, I would much rather be a success than a failure. Well, yeah. You saw how much I panicked about doing that event. You know, I'm like, oh, please come help me. You know, like I, it's not that I don't think I'm capable. It's that my internal mindset is always somebody else is better. You don't know what you're talking, like it is just always yeah. there. And so shutting that off and stepping into it is hilarious because Joyce Meyer, I don't, she was one of the first people I listened to whenever I became a Christian. And she That's always, funny to me. <laughs> I just, it was just, you know, she just had such a, uh, anyway, that's a whole different story. Okay. So but she, she had always said, do it afraid. And I love that mm, so yeah. many people like, do I feel failure? Yes. I fear it big time. Um, but I don't find identity and success. And so I think that takes a lot of the mm. power of the fear out. Yeah. Um, and again, if you can just, if, if you are going to walk into a room and use failure to connect with people instead of success to mm-hmm. connect with people, mm-hmm. it is so powerful. It's um, so true. You know, um, yeah. so I mean, so true. I, I do not, I, I don't look forward to failure, but <laughs> I try my hardest to not let it stop me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good perspective. Yeah. That's fine. I feel ironically like failure of an interviewer at the moment. Cause I feel like I should have started this conversation by asking you, why you or how you became so interested in leadership to begin with. Mm. Joyce Meyer, right? Yeah, I was her. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or like, have you, has that always been a thing? Like, Ange, you know, she's 18 reading Andy okay. Stanley books. I <laughs> didn't know what a leader was until I went to college, really. Like, I obviously knew of it, but mm-hmm. it wasn't something I prioritized. I would say I've only recently become interested in leadership. And I mean, I was, it was not, I never set out to be a leader. Again, I think it was the loudness and the silliness. It's like, oh, you can, you know, you Mm -hmm. put this group together Mm -hmm. or we'll come to your house and do something. And so kind of naturally growing into that, I've always really, really valued influence. Um, My mom, I always had one or two people at my house living with me, a friend who had, you know, parents who were in trouble or whatever. My mom has always been very generous, very hospitable. She just is an excellent woman. And she has used that one-on-one influence really, really well. And so I have always known the power of influence, but active leadership, I mean, really was just honestly, once I was, I got saved in a really, uh, just a bizarre way. But I once, it was just this overnight kind of transformation and just this feeling of, I, I know of a healthy way to lead life. 
I should help people in that direction, whether it is with organization, with time management, with spiritual health. Like if, if I know of a way to do it that is healthy and successful and I can see somebody who could benefit from that, I want to help them along in that. Mm-hmm. And so I think stepping into the, the name of leader and the, the responsibility of leadership has been a process, like a real, it's so much of denying, no, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and then really trying to own that more actively has been pretty recent. But influence has always been really important to me. John Maxwell would say leadership is influence. Yes. <laughs> so she was just using her own verbiage, but she always wanted to lead. <laughs> I wouldn't know that quote because I haven't read that. I only know it because I've watched 18 videos of John saying it. So. <laughs> he did coin the phrase, so and, and I do think it's true. So. Uh, I agree. I also think what is prominent in what you're saying is you always valued relationship, it sounds mm-hmm. like. So you valued influence. And I would say that's how you lead, too, mm-hmm. is like through relationship um, in a world where it's like, I think some females think that should be more domineering. Yeah. I just, I do think you get so much further in what you're saying, like building, you're already great at connection. You're already mm-hmm. great at relationship. Why don't you just capitalize on that mm-hmm. and lead through it? And yeah. I, I think it's something valuable that you do. Yeah. And it's really nice too, to hear, like to, to learn that leadership doesn't have to be the person on the stage with a microphone. And I know yes. we all know that, but specifically, oh, you know, I mean, I just like, I was going to say, I feel like it's just said all the time, but yeah. like, I find myself all the time, like, okay, I should be, you know, more up front, more, and specifically, again, being a louder, bold female, people are pushing you in that direction. And to, to know to step back and to lead through that relationship, through the connection, through the give and take of, you know, I would love to serve you first. And then if the time comes, there is a way that you can help out. That's great. You know, truly servant leadership. I mean, I just think it's been so powerful to learn. And I learned this from Jared, just real, and I, I know he said he didn't, it might be a John Maxwell thing, honestly. Who knows? Um, he loves John Maxwell. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> a lot of his quotes are John He totally does. Um, but talking about like how a, a leader takes uh, responsibility for all the failures or something and shares the credit for all the successes. Yeah. And that just removes all pride and all, all I want to be the boss mindset. Mm-hmm. Like it is not, that is not a... Uh, uh, an attractive sounding proposition to somebody who is not wanting to serve um, and lead in that way. So I think I continually try and route myself back to that. Whatever success we have is a team. Whatever failure we have is on me. So, I mean, I think you can't separate relationship from that, you know. You have to care enough about people to do that. Yes. Like, I don't think... If I didn't care about the people I was leading, I wouldn't choose to do that. Yeah. I would choose to be yeah. like, so what are you going to do better? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You can't lead, I don't think, in that way without genuinely caring first. Yeah, I, I think, think so. That's huge. Yeah, I think so. Well, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. I know. But it, it does. <laughs> do we need a part <laughs> two? We are coming up on an hour. Um, we've covered the questions kind of, but is there anything that you would, you know, say to the listeners as far as like, maybe a good first step for them as far as like growing in right where they're at as, mm-hmm. as a leader? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say be willing to ask for more responsibility. It's good. Go ask for it. It's mm-hmm. really good. Um, it will, it will cut down this thing in your head that says you can't do it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling, I, I, now being in a leadership position, it is invaluable having somebody say, this is the area I would like to grow in. This is what yeah. I'm interested in. This is what I want. Being 
walking up to somebody in leadership and saying that feels very entitled. It is not. It is, I mean, it is really clear communication to walk up and say, I would love to help in this position or lead in this position. And I think whether it is getting a mentor, going up to somebody and saying, will you mentor me is so powerful. Will, you know, will you help me grow in this area? To just ask for the help, ask for the responsibility and Mm -hmm. it will, I mean, it will be thrown at you, I think. And come prepared. Yeah. So ready, be mm-hmm. ready for a follow-up. If you say, will you be my mentor? They say yes. Be Have three questions ready. Nothing yes. major. You don't have to have like a lot of things written down. what's this person's name. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have all of that stuff. But like have... So then they say, okay, well, where do you want to grow in your responsibility? Mm-hmm. Have thought through it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. They're not going to... Amber's not going to do the work for me to say like, well, I just think you're she would do that but at that point I'm just asking for a compliment I'm not asking yeah. for responsibility <laughs> yeah. honestly yeah if yeah. I didn't even know what I wanted yeah. so yeah I'm just gonna start jumping on the bed with that <laughs> yeah. like, yes honestly do it people of all all ages mm-hmm. well and I would just say too, like be ready for the responsibility mm-hmm. and you that. Ask for yes it. you asked for <laughs> <And> it yeah <laughs> I say that to myself quite a bit yeah you asked for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know exactly. <laughs> you were gonna get that tattoo on your hand at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually was. I was. Yeah. I think that. Yeah, that's huge. Well, Amber, I don't know if you've ever listened before, but we always end our podcasts with what's trending Great. in our Love world. It. Is there anything media-wise that you're watching, listening to, reading? This would be a super cool time to say that I've been off social media and for five months. <laughs> so I truly have no idea what's trending. Um, <laughs> So what's really trending really, in your world? What's trending in my world? Yeah. Um, so there, I've recently found a uh, show called Dogs with Jobs, and it follows <laughs> um, dogs with jobs. So it's super cute. Okay. I think it was filmed in the 80s. So This is a, like a TV show? It is a TV show. I think it's either on Hulu or Amazon Prime. I can't remember. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Dogs with Jobs. Dogs with Jobs. What's the other show you and Lindsay always talk okay, about? Okay, don't make me say this. Okay, it's called Thousand Pound Sisters, and it's two women. One of them is like 370 pounds, and the other one is like 650 pounds. Uh-huh. And they are going through gastric bypass or trying to lose weight, prove that they can lose weight before they go through gastric bypass yeah. surgery. And it, uh, it is, you can, it's on Hulu, and it's only like six episodes. And it's not being picked up for a second season. So if you're looking for something, you know, like very games of uh-huh. Game of Thrones style, this is not it. Uh-huh. Um, it's a little six episode miniseries. But it is, you just cannot look away. I said it's highlighted my biggest fear. And it's not any type of weight issue. It is speaking the language and still being subtitled. So like they speak English, but their whole show is subtitled because yeah. it's just very <laughs> kind of backwoods. And they're, I mean... But they, they're, it's hilarious. It just is. And they were already famous. Well, they already had like a huge YouTube following before mm-hmm. this TV show came on. Because mm-hmm. I'm not usually, I don't usually love shows that ha- make fun of people. You know, like you laugh at the expense of, but they are very good at laughing at themselves. Uh-huh. Oh, it is so, it's just, I, I can't. Is I, it like, do you cry? Like, is it like one of those emotional? Oh, no. Make no. cry laugh. No, no. no. It's so okay. funny. I don't want to ruin the end, but it is, they are highly unsuccessful. Okay. Okay, so yeah, this is not an inspirational story. Okay, because okay. I was thinking like the extreme makeover. No, yeah, I do not want to sell it as that. It okay. is definitely not that. No, <laughs> this it. is um, they like they were. <laughs> I just their personality. It's pretty much show about their personality, yes. isn't it? 
Really yeah, they, yes. Else. I mean, truly, aside from any weight issue, like, they are just hilarious personalities. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, they 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 call, like, sodas, they call them sodies. So it's like, oh, they'll have, like, a lo- wow. like lasagnas and sodies, that's what they say. <laughs> and she said, like, they were talking to a dietitian, and she's like, oh, I think we have, like, 16, 18 sodies a day, I'd say, you know, or something. And her, they grew up thinking that if they had a diet sodi with their sugary food, that it canceled out the sugar they ate. And so they did not understand why they were gaining weight because they thought the diet drinks that they were. So anyway, I will say, actually, there is a book. It is a leadership book. It's called Rocket Fuel that I have recently been suggested and picked up. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. So it's from Watermark uh, Church in Dow or in Texas. But they talk about the importance of a CEO or a CEO, a visionary and a integrator is what they call it. Oh, yeah. And so I think it's a lot of the male-female terminology, but without the gender roles in it, mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. like, you know, are you good at implementation or are you good at dreaming and vision casting? Yeah. And it doesn't take, well, you need a note taker with your speaker. You know, it's, it is, and it's really, really practical and talks about the need for both of those. So mm-hmm. I am currently reading that, if that's a little bit better than Thousand Pounds. I think they're all great. But I think <laughs> it shows. Jamie said some questionable things on here. <laughs> I said Shit's Creek once and I stand by that. Oh, it's Schitt's so Creek good. I love Shit's still... Creek. I'm not really a sick. This is when girl. I knew Amber. Yeah, oh, I I'll work love for you Schitt's Creek. Oh, oh so good. I prefer like This Is Us. Oh, uh, no! I got like two episodes in, and yeah. I was like, Oh Same. no! If I'm already violent sobbing yes. two episodes in, I, I need cannot that oh. for my soul. The way Jamie says, she's like, You're like a you're like a 30 minute sitcom girl, aren't you? I'm like, Yes. I need no emotion that's gonna take oh my me. God. Lower or higher? Oh my I think I think what it is for me is like I have all of these feelings all the time, and I feel like watching those shows like actually helps me get it out. She's oh, a four. I was like, I was just about to say what that. Yeah. See, that's although they say sevens and fours are always really good friends. Yeah. Usually, yes, yeah. our best friends. Two best so. friends. Most yes, of the people I've dated fours. are sevens. Yes. Yeah, see, and my two best friends are fours. So they it just. For, it's like, oh, it feels so good to feel. I just need to feel the sad emotion to get through it. I'm like, yeah, but if you don't feel it, you don't We're go through okay. it. That We're is an okay. SOS. Yeah. Raise the red flag. That's like, okay, I've just got to get in the water to, you know, to, to end up drying off. I'm like, but you're already dry. You don't have to get in the water. Don't get in the water. Just don't do it. That is such a oh, great analogy. That is a great analogy. I just want to be entertained, you know. I just want to laugh. Did you ever watch Normal People? I haven't. Okay, it is it is the most emotional. It's pretty sexual. Yeah, I've heard so <laughs> really graphic. I don't really know how we. Well, I wouldn't call it is it is very intimate. Like, well, what I've heard about it is like you you learn. There's actual character development through their sexual encounters. Incredible, truly. Yeah, it, there really is. And as somebody with a so I don't have a very black and white sexual past. You know, a lot of my growth has aligned with. All of this learning of what sexuality is. So it's, it is a, it's a, an incredible, incredible show. But I have never, I'm like, I felt so emotionally destroyed after every single episode. <laughs> and it's just from like the cinematography is just so beautiful. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I, I truly had no idea I had this capability of emotion inside of me. I'm like, I'm calling everybody, I know, please watch this show and talk to me about it because I am just traumatized. And it's actually really beautiful. It's not a traumatizing show, but it is. There's just too many emotions. I'm traumatized like, by just too many emotions. Oh, that's what it was. That's be what it, I'm like. Oh, I feel so, so happy girl. and so sad. I'm just kidding, girl. girl. I'm t- 
Parks and Rec. It's the seven in me that just... Oh. <laughs> Parks and Rec is so good. Arrested Development. Yep. All of them. Arrested Development. I'm watching, I'm rewatching How I Met Your Mother right now. Is that your what's trending? I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to give it that, that. It's like, it's okay, but in comparison to all the other sitcoms I've watched, it's not my... Have you ever seen mm. it? I, I have. I don't much care for it. It's not as... It's hard. So this is how I describe How I Met Your Mother. So on almost every show, there is a throwaway character. There's somebody who you're like, do we need Coach on New Girl? Like, does he bring that much? Or, you know, or do we need a, I'm trying to think who and other, like, one reason I love Schitt's Creek is because it didn't have a throwaway character. I thought every single character was super important. So I feel like How I Met Your Mother, aside from Barney, is just all of them are throwaway characters (laughs) from all the other shows. Just like you just don't Honestly, like they they're kind of funny and you laugh a little bit, but you don't know anything about it. Like it's just like I don't have any feelings towards any of you at all. No feelings. I could stop watching it tomorrow. Uh, I could be fine. Yeah. I couldn't have done this. It's creep. I was in it. Me I was too. like, okay, I've got to see to the end. I adopted. <laughs> the I wanted to weep accents the and like yeah. I just I was David I was fully in. Moira. Oh, wow, man, it's good fully stuff. In. So we could interview Amber on a crap ton of stuff from. <laughs> <laughs> Pop culture, sure. Sexuality. Actually, do sexuality. Yeah, I keep circling back as if that's something I actually want to talk about. Just for the record, I don't. Okay, I will, but okay. Okay. Um, something I actually do love: Nate Land, the Nate Land podcast. You know Nate Bargetsy at all? Uh huh. Okay, he is a comedian, hilarious, hilarious comedian. I think his stuff is on Netflix, but he has a podcast, um, and it's a two-hour podcast, which is so long. Yeah. And they just say like, this week is about. Fast food. And they literally just talk about fast food the whole time. And they laugh. And the first, like, 30, 45 minutes, they read their comments from the previous show and just roast each other about it. It's very, like, if you just want to check out and laugh, it's wholesome. There's no cursing. Very little sexuality, if any. Um, the Nate Land podcast. I right. suggest. Okay. Start with the animals one. episode. Okay. Yeah. That's good. We're That's working on a, a list of all of our recommendations. Yeah, we'll so we'll it. Put it. Perfect. We'll put it on there. That is hilarious. Yeah. Jamie, what about your trending world? I was, think about mine. I'm not really prepared, but... Neither am I. Know, I think I Amber gave way recommendations <laughs> yeah. for all of us. She has lots. Um, I just started watching on social media. Succession. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. Nope. No, I know you haven't, but... Um, it's just about this, like, really powerful, wealthy family. I don't even know technically where it's at if it's New York, but it's some big city. It's on HBO. I'm only, like, four episodes in, but mm. it's pretty good. It's very smart. Which yeah. I appreciate those shows. Yeah. You have to very much pay attention. So. I hate that. I want to check out <laughs> yeah. my phone. I can't play touch. Candy Crush, uh, which I've been doing a little bit lately. Yeah, that's what's trending in your world. Candy Crush. I just I have videos of you playing all Thanksgiving. <laughs> we look over at Jamie. She's on the couch. Okay, yes. let's just clarify. You act like all Thanksgiving is like 18 days. <laughs> it, was it was 18 days one moved. day. That's it, was, it was 18 hours. <laughs> have you ever seen Newsroom? I love the newsroom. Okay, so when you said smart show, that's reminding me of like yeah. newsroom or damp. Had you ever watched Damages? Uh-uh. I think you would really love Damages. It's Glenn Close and Rose Byrne. Okay. There's a bunch of, there is so much stuff that happens in every episode and they tie it all in together and you yeah. don't realize, like it's just, it's one of those, you have to pay attention to every single thing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved both of those. What'd you say it was? Yeah, uh, Succession. Succession. Yeah. Oh, HBO, though. Yeah. So I got HBO, told myself I was going to watch Game of Thrones, never did it, finally canceled it after a year, which yeah. is nearly impossible to cancel. <laughs> you have to go into your Amazon account, go under subscriptions, follow some stupid link to something uh-huh. else, and cancel HBO. I was like, okay. 
It's so, too hard. I know. And then Disney Plus, I had Disney Plus cancel mm-hmm. it. And they're like, oh, did you see the new holiday movies on Disney? I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Netflix is going up to $17.99 a month. Did you know that? What? Speaking of trending, $17.99 a month. That's a lot. That's the biggest trending news I've heard. When is that? I did it. No matter what profile you're on? Uh, Well, so I we have, we've got the family one where you can have four. Oh, okay. Screens and that's going up to seventeen. And that, yeah, I think it was eleven ninety nine before. That's a big jump. I know. So I'm like, okay, what else that's is to get in the app? Gym membership. I wow. I, I can <laughs> finally oh, can't. I, know now. I trust you. We could totally funny. interview all the pop culture things. All right, Ange, bring us home. Oh, what's trending in my world? I feel like in comparison, I really have nothing, which is funny. I normally have, like, something. Coco Melon is a big one right now. Now, if you are a mom, that is a toddler show where all they do is sing. If you know me, I hate musicals. I hate them. I literally can't stand musicals. I'm dying out. (laughs) So you're also (laughs) side-eyeing our left room to the left that's always playing Hamilton. Yes. I know. Yeah. Love them. Love the people. Hate the music. <laughs> so, Coco Melon is literally, like, as I'm looking at my Spotify, it's like Coco Melon wheels on the bus, itchy, itchy, itsy bitsy. <laughs> itchy, itchy spider. Okay. That's very 2020. <laughs> Just have songs about diseases now. The itchy, itchy spider is trending in my world. The only real recommendation I'll give, other than if you're a mom, I'm sure your kid would love Coco Melon, um, is I would recommend actually the one I listened to, that Kruger podcast. I mentioned it, Mm. I think, last time, but the one with Lisa Turkhurst is really good. She talks a lot about um, women in leadership, and she's came out with a book on forgiveness, and I actually didn't know until I started reading Mm. it. Oh, I do have something. I started reading that. Um, that she actually thinks forgiveness is one of, like, the top five keys to leading, um, Mm. and leading well is, like, this, like, ability to forgive. I I have Mm. to say by reading it, I'm maybe two pages in, so I have nothing else to give. I'm working on finishing all the books before I read them, so I had to finish Letters to the Church. I have different feelings about that Mm. book. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm on the Lisa Turkers one, so... I think those are like three recommendations. <laughs> you guys as listeners can decipher what to take from that. I'd like to just stick with dogs with jobs. Yeah. I think it's good. I think we should I think all that's good. Yeah. For mine, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to scratch everything I said and just go with dogs with jobs. Well, Amber, thank you for coming on. I really feel like we could have you four more times. <laughs> Might need to. And uh, guys, let us know what you thought. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you thought of today's episode by tagging us on social media. This is Trendish. We'll see you soon.